0: Let's pray first before we go any further. Let's do that. Let's pray, God. As we as we come out of communion and, and into Your Word, we, we say thank you. Uh, we love You. Uh, we're excited about what this resurrection means, and uh, we just we celebrate Your Son uh, this morning. This name we pray. You're going to want to turn to Luke uh, 24 in your Bibles, uh, verses one through twelve. We are going to read slash go through those. So, uh, Luke 24. Um, in the midst of those, we'd encourage you—excuse uh, <coughs> me—that way uh, to find those, because that's kind of really where the bulk of our text is going to be, and that's where um, all of those things are going to kind of take place and engage and 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 be there. So, we'd encourage you in the midst of those to uh, look there. So, let's just read through the scriptures and kind of get us um, into that pacing um, as we move through. Uh, Jesus is risen. Uh, verse one. But Peter rose, ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. So, um, w- we see a lot of things um, taking place here in scriptures. We see that, that people are, are looking in different places. They're, they're trying to find, is Jesus resurrected? Where is Jesus? What's going on with Jesus? Um, they're, they're, they're seeking to understand what's going on with Jesus. They're hearing all of these multiple accounts that the, that the tomb is empty and that it's rolled away. The Roman soldiers gone. gone. The 4,000-pound the stone moved out of its slot. Just completely, completely not what they were expecting. I mean, it even says in all the gospel accounts that after they came back and they talked about it, none of the apostles, none of the disciples believed. None of them believed. The only one who actually believed was a little later when when John the beloved came and he looked in and he said that he believed when he saw the linen cloths. But everybody else went away marveling or wondering if what really happened really took place. So let me hit you with this one thing about the the purpose of Jesus' resurrection. He was risen to prove that we can be forgiven of our sins. And when I say we, I mean just including everyone that you ever meet, every person you run into, everyone that's there. His risenness proves that, right? So the cross um, paid the price, It showed that there was a price to be paid that we never could, that Jesus took on the cross. But the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the proof, the evidence, that it is truly finished and that he had paid that price, that he had covered over all of that, and that his resurrection says you too can be resurrected and will be one day, and that his these sins in which we have can be forgiven. In 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty two, it says that this, for as in Adam all die, talking about Adam and Eve, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Because we're we're all born with this original sin. It's passed down. The Bible tells us it comes um, from the man, and it just because of their fall in Genesis chapter three. But there is one, and his name is Jesus, who can help us to overcome those to 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 bring forgiveness in that because he's paid for it all through his um, through faith in him um, by grace. So what you're seeing here, and what we're remembering, is that Jesus has risen to prove that we can be forgiven of our sins, which was an unexpected outcome. For all of them, right? It, we can see in the accounts that the ladies are coming with what? Tons and tons of spices. It tells us that they're wondering, who's going to roll this, this stone away? I mean, to move a 4,000-pound stone that's round is going to be massive. So they weren't expecting to find a risen Savior. They were actually there at Golgotha on the hill and saw Jesus die. They were there when Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus came over and began to put spices in the funeral clothes, the burial clothes of Jesus. So there's no way they're expecting anything else. The disciples are hiding in homes, and they're, they're around. They've retreated away because they're like, this is it. This movement's over. Jesus is dead, right? We even see them on the Geyser Road to Emmaus, and what's worse is it's the third day that this has happened, and there's still been no miracle. So l- let me give you context about what we should do with the risen Savior and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and help us to better understand this. We are to tell others what Jesus has done so that they will for themselves come and see what Jesus can do and head home marveling at what Jesus has done. We tell others to come and see what Jesus has done. I mean, look at the story of the resurrection. All they're simply doing and going, this is what I've seen. The tomb is empty. It's gone. We had guys, angels, in dazzling clothes saying, why are you looking for the living among the dead, which is a really crazy question because you think he would say why are you looking for the dead among the dead right i mean you're in a graveyard it's a tomb that's what you would naturally say but jesus is what he's not dead he's alive and he's so alive and he's so well that the angels are just like what are you doing why are you looking for the living why do you seek the living among the dead then they have all these different interactions and it brings them to go back and go we we've, we've got to tell the apostles this none of them believe only John and, and, and Peter go to actually look and see what's going on in the tomb and, and what's actually taking place. So I really want to focus in on two verses, verses 6 and 7 um, of this. Uh, so let's just look at verses 6 and 7 as, as we go through these. He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he told you why he was still in Galilee. That's back in former chapters of Luke. That The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day rise. I love the phrase, he's not here, but has risen. That Jesus is alive, that Jesus is well, that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God, and he's not there. So let's just talk about the he's not here part. right? He's not here. So where is he then if he's not there? I mean, if he's not in the tomb, if he's not where, he, where we left him just on Friday night, then, then where is Jesus? Well, we, we know Mary Magdalene runs into Jesus not far outside of the tomb, she thinks he's the gardener. Then he speaks her name, Mary, and she's at his feet. We know that he shows up to the disciples, minus Thomas, that wasn't until a week later, before them, and he's like, It's I Pierce through do locked doors. Why are the doors locked? Because they didn't expect a resurrected Jesus. They expected the Jewish authorities and Roman authorities to kick the door down, take them because they believe in Christ, and haul them away and take their lives too. But Jesus appears, flesh and blood, through that. They can see his hair, they can, they can, they can touch his body, they can, they can see the wounds, they know that it's Jesus. So where's Jesus? Everywhere else but the tomb. He's appearing to people, he's going all over the place, I mean, he's just showing himself and revealing in accordance with God's will to all of these things that are taking place. And it even tells us in these verses that he had told them that it was coming, which of course they didn't understand. Just like we talked about Palm Sunday last week, how they thought he was going to come as a military leader and he was going to lay waste to, to all of those that were there as, as Roman occupied. They weren't expecting that, but what they got was something so much better. And we see that the crucifixion was an excruciating event but it was liberating them from the wages of sin, which is death, and also providing a way for them. That's what 1 Corinthians fifteen, twenty-three tells us. So the angels are there, and they're like, he's not here. When was the other time that angels had shown up and, and spoken about Jesus and proclaiming? It was when he was born. We see that also in scriptures. They show up, right? Tells the shepherds. Here he tells the women. The women go tell the story. And what, what do good men do? I don't believe you. It. It's crazy. What are you talking about? This can't be real. And they start to question it. They're like, I don't understand. They don't actually listen to the women who are telling them the truth. We really saw this. So here's what I would say to you in that encounter. You keep telling people whether they believe or not. It is not your responsibility to make people believe that Jesus resurrected. It's your privilege to tell them the tomb's empty. So you just keep telling them. And what better way to tell them than your story and your interaction with Jesus Christ. Like this is what it's like before I was saved. This is what it's like after. Here's what Jesus did for me when I didn't think anybody could do anything else. And he did. Miracles, signs, wonders. And that's all they're doing. They're not trying to make some case. They're not even really trying to defend the faith. They're just like, look, if you don't believe, that's on you guys. But here's what happened. We saw him. Angels told us. We know that he's alive. And we know that he's real. And we're going to give our life to this truth, and we're going to give our life to this fact. So they continue on, and the angels just declare that he's not here. So they start to wonder, right? The, the, the Pharisees know it's true so much that they just start making up lies and paying people off to tell lies that Jesus' body was stolen. I mean, it's insane what they try to do to cover that up. But the reason that he's not here is why. He conquered sin and death, took the keys of death from the devil, defeated him completely and now has those so as a christian we've said this before death is a reconciled friend for a christian because if you live in this earth and you die what happens as a christian you get to go to heaven there is no bad scenario there now i know you might be concerned about the journey and what's going to happen in order to punch that ticket into eternity how am i going to die how's my last days going to end but there is no bad outcome for you as a christian There's certainly a terrible one for those who aren't. Hell exists, and it's real. And the Bible tells us that that God had made that for, for the demons and for the devil. But he also puts those who never believe and always deny Jesus Christ into that place. So all the more we must tell them of the resurrection so that they don't end up there. Because God has the keys in Christ who has all authority over all of those things. Imagine being able to live your life and not fear death. Imagine to live your life and to to say, as Paul said, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. And you know what? If you're a Christian, you don't have to imagine that's the truth. And they say all the time, like, how much more free would you live if you knew this was your last day? Well, we've just, we've talked these past two weeks about Jesus knowing that. Palm Sunday, he enters in with full knowledge knowing that he's about to go to the cross and give his life for us. And what does he do? He serves, washes people's feet introduces communion so that we can remember him always he, he shows them the model to believe and to send out and to go that way and even though everyone abandons him even though they all scatter even though peter one of the closest three denies him three times even though judas takes his own life because he's so overcome with grief jesus still serves in his last days all the way out now isn't that interesting most of us when we think about how would we live our last days, we think about all the things we would eat and not to worry about getting weight and not to worry about this, we do that. But Jesus, when he's thinking about his last days, he's thinking about us. Isn't that crazy? That's how the kingdom works. That's what a resurrected savior says. Once you know that you're going and returning to heaven, you, you can more easily live for others. You're not so entangled by the trappings of this world, no matter how good or bad they may be. But the, the difference between that is what? Salvation. If we know the, je- the death of Jesus paid for the wages of sin and death, then we also know the resurrection of Jesus proved that he paid the price we can never pay for ourselves. Romans 10, 9 to 10, I say it a lot because I want to sort of osmosisly just put that in your soul, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you shall be saved. What does that tell us? You must believe Jesus is Lord and you must believe he was raised from the dead in order to be saved. So I tell you that so that you'll know that, so that you can grip onto that as a way of salvation, but also so that you might find yourself in the power of the resurrection. We do it all the time when we baptize people. You are dead to sin, hold them under the water. Their eyes get real big because they're wondering why they're down there so long. Then we pull them up out of the water and say, What? Alive in Christ. And you can talk to anyone who's been baptized to express their their already inner faith in Jesus Christ, and that is their experience, that as they went in, they come out joyous. I never have to coach people that way, I never have to encourage them that way, they just immediately hug me, and they're just immediately excited, or they'll spaz out in celebration because I was buried in Christ, but what? Yeah, Friday came, but Sunday's here, boom, I'm resurrected. So now my eternity is set, sealed, and secured, so whom else do I have fear? Yes, other things can take my life. Yes, other things can, can cause me to suffer, and it might be difficult on the days ahead, but still, nothing can take my soul because God's got it. What can separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing. No height, no depth. No thing can. So he tells us in this resurrection, and they're beginning to understand, why should we be so emboldened in our faith at the truth of the resurrection? It's because it gives us courage to live for Christ because our sins are forgiven. Sins are forgiven. Right now, my, my kids are so happy at the warm weather because in the cold wintertime, I'm like, we need socks, we need boots, we need jackets, we need all these things that encumber play. They're like, Dad, it's hard to run and climb and play when we're like marshmallow people outside. And I was like, I don't want you to get sick. You will be that way. They're bouncing off trees and falling over and all of this stuff. But man, as the weather gets warmer and they're like, what, we don't need coats anymore? We can just wear our regular shoes and it's fine and we can go out and play. They are born again kids, man. They're like, yes! And they're just running around like crazy. They're rolling in dirt, maybe eating it, I don't know. It's just so much fun and just unadulterated joy. And I look at that and I go, man... That is what God desires for me when I remember my salvation and the resurrected Jesus. That I am just free. I'm free. And when death comes for me, I will look longingly at Christ who receives my spirit and lovingly. So whether I'm called home or caught up in the rapture, I will be so joyous. What I tell you guys, I'm going to be flying over to you on the way up, high five and like, we made it, yeah. Because he's resurrected and it's the truth. It's the promise. And they're trying to understand this. We're on the other side of resurrected history. But look, when you go to the tomb, he's not there. And you know what else is crazy? You can go now literally to the two traditional sites of where Jesus was buried. You could go and see he's not there. In either of those two, depending on which history, tradition you follow. But that tomb's empty. And you know what? It's going to be empty forever. He's never going to be in there. They're never going to secretly discover the bones of Jesus. They're never going to find the remnants of his his, um, skull or something like that because he's been resurrected into the new body and he sits at the right hand of God alive and well. So when you read the words that he's not here, then you can just know that it 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 is proof. It is proof that we can find forgiveness for our sins. And you could take off the coat that weighs you down so much and run freely in the joy of life that exists. Is it always going to be easy and awesome? No. Sometimes when my kids are playing, they just get overheated and they've got to stop, they've got to rest, they've got to drink, they've got to refuel. And then what? They're right back at it again as if they've learned nothing. And they just go and they run and they run. They don't fall asleep, they pass out. That's how it works. I mean, imagine living your life so spiritually fueled that way that you're just like, I am just just gonna continue to burn burn and burn and burn and burn and burn and burn calories for Christ because he's resurrected, because the tomb's empty, because he's forgiven me of my sins. Even death can't be used against me because if I die and go to heaven, I'm not gonna be super bummed about that. I'm gonna be really excited, longing to see all those who have come before me that believed in Christ. So I would encourage you in that. So that first phrase, that he's not here, don't forget that the tomb is empty. And then the second part of that in, in verse um, 6 where it talks about that, uh, but he is risen. He is risen. Man, you just, you have to, to, to praise him. You, you know when, uh, well, I won't say that, that's a rabbit trail, and that would take me so far off, and you guys would be like, what's happening? But when we talk about him being risen, um, the reason that they were astonished, they were perplexed, they were frightened, they were concerned when they came to the tomb, is they hadn't first realized that Christ was the first fruit of the resurrection. They did not quite realize that he was the one who was coming and that those who belonged to Christ would also be resurrected that way too. They expected to find a dead Jesus, but instead there was a risen Savior waiting for them. Like Palm Sunday, they didn't get what they expected, they got what they needed, they expected to find him still there, needing to be stuffed with spices in his burial clothes so that he would he, that aroma and that stink wouldn't last longer, but he didn't see any decay in the tomb because he was resurrected. So they were like, what is going on here? Why is this taking? And then they start to understand that this is a Messiah that conquered sin and death. I don't know, I was, I was talking to some people at church, maybe, maybe it would also be appropriate to not only wear crosses, but also to wear like little tombs. Right, little empty tombs that the thing rolled away. Ooh, or like people that love lockets, you just roll the locket away and the stone away and inside's a picture of Jesus. I mean, just things that would communicate and express the importance that the tomb is empty. Christ doesn't want us to live like he's still on the cross he doesn't want us to, to look at our life and go, hey, look, it's always going to be simple and it's always going to be easy. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that there's always strength that you need for every moment, as much as you need, and honestly, more abundantly than you could ever desire. And there's a purpose and a reason that you exist beyond just the things that you're experiencing. There is a fullness to your created purpose that only comes through living with the fuel of the resurrected Jesus Christ, a Messiah who's conquered both sin and death. Of course, people don't always understand Christianity because they look at us and go, whoa, is that what it's about? No, thank you. But the more biblically we line up and put ourselves with Christ, the more we realize first our need for salvation or sometimes to just remember it, right? To not lose, as the scripture says, our first love, but instead to grab onto it and to rekindle that which has chosen us first, which is God. So why does it embolden a Christian's faith to know the truth that Jesus was resurrected? We know we will live for Christ for, with, with Christ forever in heaven so we can live for Jesus now. That's what you see in all the maturing people. Even in the Old Testament before Christ came, in which they looked for the Savior, prayed to the Savior, desired for him to live. As more and more of them came to this truth to know that they were going to be with God forever, they started living more boldly for him so that others would do the same. So that others might find Christ and find the truth because we know we exist to bring God glory and make disciples. The Bible is super clear on that. That's your purpose. The first disciple that needs to be made is if it isn't, is you, yourself. If you're not a Christian, that's what God desires. For the person that you see in the mirror every single day to become a Christian. And for you to finally lay down your life to the Lord and the resurrected Jesus and go, look, you forgive me for my sins even once I don't even realize. Be the Lord of my life. Help me to find true true fruits of the Spirit within my relationships and the things that I want to do. Help my dreams to be fulfilled and to really be what are your dreams and to fill that out and to find that out, to have strength in the valleys and proper celebration on the mountaintops. That's what God desires. And the fact that he has risen so we can be forgiven is an important aspect of why we exist. You see the basis of Loving others in this passage of scriptures. Others telling others how to find Jesus Christ. Even if they didn't believe. And they should have, right? I mean, they, they were the 11. Because Jesus is already dead. So they were the 11. They, if anyone should have followed it, it would have been them. Because he told them, without mystery, this is what's going to happen. So we see in this that this resurrection exists. So we have to ask the question, based on this message, what can we do to become more like Jesus Christ? And I would say to you first... Be saved. Receive the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Be saved by grace through faith. But well, let's talk about our worship for a second and how we worship the Lord and how we engage in who he is. First of all, for how you worship in your devotional time or others, remember Jesus is alive and well and seated at the right hand of God. Reflect often on the spiritual fuel that Jesus has risen so we can all be forgiven. He's alive and well. People are going to want to tell you other things that he didn't exist, that he didn't really die. There's all kinds of, of, of theories that are just crazy made-up stuff on it. Well, actually, it takes more faith to believe that Jesus isn't the Messiah than it does to believe that he is. I mean, that's the truth. But when it comes to this, and as we look at this, remember, Jesus is alive and well. And sit at the right hand of God and allow that to fuel you. That, Christian, is where you're going to end up. So we're more bold at work. We're more bold in our neighborhoods. We're more bold where we recharge ourselves and even where we worship. We, we talk about Christ. We encourage others to engage. We have them over around the dinner table and on the front porch or the back porch or, or whatever resources God's given you to use. You use those so that, so that they too can know and remember that Jesus is alive and well. Because they're not going to know unless you tell them, the Bible says. How will they see unless you show them? Man, that is a great day to live and a great way to encourage. It's awesome, and it's just all around us. When we engage in community, tell those you know about the empty tomb. Share the biblical truth and brotherly love that Jesus is not here, but he's risen. And the tomb is empty, and it is a traditional site that you can go visit, but let them know why the tomb is empty and however you need to communicate, but, but intimately, it's, it's for them. He died so that they may know him and be in relationship with him so that he might dwell in spirit form in their hearts and so that they may find the forgiveness of sins that they need, that he is the risen Lord. So we talk about these things and we tell these stories and it doesn't matter if they get frightened, it doesn't matter if they're perplexed, it doesn't matter if they're dazzled, you just continue to tell the truth so that they might know that he's there and so that they may turn to him. So you're just a, you're a road marker, a sign on the way in which that may go. A great way to serve others is tell others uh, about your encounters with Jesus. Like the women at the empty tomb, testify to what you've seen and heard. To, to just to go forth and just share your story. Maybe the easiest of all advice that I could give to you. Tell what Jesus has done in your life. Tell how you've encountered him songs that move you, the, the passages you've memorized, the things that you've done, how he's protected you, provided miracles for you if those have happened, which he's done. Um, just communicate that with others of what you've seen and heard and let them wrestle with that. Sometimes the best thing to do is just share the loving information and allow it to do its work. Allow the Holy Spirit to work. So a great way to serve others this season and really every day is to go and just tell them about your encounter with Jesus. This is what I've experienced. This is what I know to be true. Biblically, this is what I see. In your situation, this is how God says you should handle it. And let me tell you, when you don't, because I didn't do that once, here's what happened, and that train wrecked hard. And just encourage them in that. Look, I've learned from that. I, I understand this all the more. And then when it comes to multiplication, to help them to understand this truth. Invite others to come and see for themselves what Jesus can do. So the head home marveling at what Christ has done. And here's what I love about the marveling is, is Peter wasn't believing just yet. But the great thing about marveling is it, is it puts them in a position to really wrestle with who Christ is. We have things shoved down our throats and in our faces all the time that we should believe and wrestle with. We have to listen to things and, and wrestle with things because we live in an imperfect and broken world full of sin, um, that just constantly tells us the need to put Jesus Christ out there and, and to allow people to experience for themselves. That's why I love the invitation of just come and see, right? Just come with me. We're friends. You can trust me. Just come and see what Christ has done. And maybe it's over coffee, it's over burgers, it's whatever it may be. It's just a conversation in a parking lot after work. But to invite them to engage a little bit more in what happens. That's what I love about Peter. The dude gets up and runs to the tomb. I love that. He's like, I'm going to see for myself. And that's that's what I'd love to say to people. Just you, you have to see for yourself. I mean, you could take my word for it that this plate of food's delicious, but ultimately, what do you want to do? Give me the fork. Let's eat this thing. And I want to see for myself. And it is the best way to encourage others so that they go away marveling. And if they go away marveling go, man, that's crazy stuff, it doesn't matter. You just put it out before them so that they might hear the truth of God's word. Let's look at the one thing one last time. That's what the resurrection's all about. All of these things are building to that direction. That Jesus was risen to prove that we can be forgiven of our sins that we might be able to, to find ourselves. So everything that people are chasing after, everything that they're desiring for, the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So you, you just bring that relationship and you bring that experience to them. That Jesus Christ is risen, that he's the Lord and Savior, so that they might then be forgiven. Okay.